It seems like it's every year. Syracuse slumbers through the regular season, towing the line between an NCAA tournament team or being left out of the field. Then in February, SU tends to wake up, finishing the regular season strong before doing just enough in the ACC tournament to squeak into March Madness. This season was no different as Syracuse was named an 11 seed on Sunday. While the Orange avoided a last four-in matchup, it is suited to play one of the best defenses in the country against six-seeded San Diego State. After the bracket was announced, I sat down with our men's basketball beat reporters to break down the field at large, Syracuse's chances against the Aztecs, and possibilities of yet another tournament run. I'm Thomas Schultz. This is the Daily Orange Sportscast. Welcome into the Daily Orange Sportscast. I'm joined now by our men's basketball beat writers for the Daily Orange, Anthony DeBundo, Danny Immerman, and Andrew Crane. And guys, look, it's Selection Sunday today. Syracuse makes it as an 11 seed. They're going to play a 6 seed San Diego State. Dab, we'll start with you. What are some things, your first thoughts that you noticed once these selections were announced, not just for Syracuse, but for the field as a whole? Yeah, I think the the players actually, and 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 Coach Jim Beheim spoke about it a little bit just a minute ago. Uh, we had them on our press conference after the bracket was announced. They were talking about how nervous they were when they saw that Drake, Wichita State, and Utah State were all in the field. And I think a lot of Syracuse fans were were, were feeling the same way. And quite frankly, I was like, oh boy, you know, one of Syracuse, UCLA, or Louisville is going to be out. You know, one in three chance they're out now. And and a lot of people thought they were pretty safe coming into into the day, and then they end up missing the first four play-in game altogether. So definitely a surprising twist the way it played out, but, you know, we'll get into the matchup a little bit later, but I think that, you know, they got a really tough draw, and we'll, we'll talk more about the Aztecs, but I think that overall it was really an, an emotional roller coaster as someone who was trying to, you know, figure out, you know, who was going to be where and whatnot. Yeah, it was quite quite the plot twist there. I was also very nervous, just like the players and Jim were, I, when when Wichita State's name got called first, I was like, oh, wow, because I thought they were going to be the first team out. And I always thought throughout the season, or at least the last few weeks, that Syracuse was ahead of Louisville. But there's no way to know that the committee thought that way. So when the last few teams, like DeBundo said, were Syracuse, UCLA, and Louisville, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And I think the committee got it right, but we'll see. I think Danny had an interesting point in one of his BWPs the other day that the committee is just a group of 10 guys and nobody knows what they're going to do. They could have put Syracuse ahead of, you know, whoever, because that's just how they like exactly what Danny said. That's just how they see it. So I think what's interesting, though, is that this was the year a lot of the mid-majors got a bit of maybe push over like a Louisville. So like the Drake, Wichita State, schools like that. And that was a little bit ironic and I thought maybe that was like like this was the year that Syracuse was going to get left out over like the mid-majors which would be very ironic considering all the years that Syracuse got in as like one of the last teams in over all the mid-majors that did not end up happening but I started to chuckle as Wichita State then Drake then Utah State kind of appeared on the screen before Syracuse ultimately did 
now that they snuck in, I'm excited to be on the pod in a few weeks when they're in the Final Four. So looking forward to that, Thomas. 11 seed? 11 seed is like a lock for Lucas Oil, I feel like. Didn't they make it as the 11 seed back in, what were they in 2016? It was the 11 seed, right? They were the, they were the 10 seed. Yeah, yeah 10, 10 seed. seed. It was the year Close. Michigan State lost to two. And they got to play Middle Tennessee in the second round. But I think the most interesting thing is that they were ahead of Michigan State. I don't think anyone had that. Michigan State has five quad one wins. They have more losses in total. But that was the biggest shock to me as far as where Syracuse ended up. I figured they'd be either one of the like first last four in teams or just on the bye, maybe. And they ended up being the second to last team. Utah State was the last bye team. And then Michigan State was the top of the last four in. So the, the Spartans getting some disrespect from the committee, uh, despite five wins, including they beat Michigan, they beat Iowa, uh, and they beat Ohio State. So they had some pretty pretty big wins that Syracuse really didn't have. But the committee rewarding rewarding the, the Orange's good record in Quadrant 2 games, it appears. And a high net. Yeah, Seth Davis on the Selection Sunday show was was surprised of Michigan State's kind of low ranking there. And guys, look, Danny, DeBundo, both of you guys were down at the ACC tournament. Syracuse throttles NC State, then loses on a three-point heartbreaker to Virginia. For me personally, look, I thought they'd be in. I didn't think they would be this high or at least miss the last four in spot or anything like that. Were you a little bit surprised by their seeding and just how well the tournament favored the Orange this year? I would say yes. I didn't. I didn't think. I, I said this morning that it was like 75% chance they're in the the last four in and going to be playing Thursday night. We saw a lot of respect for the mid majors, and we saw that Louisville was clearly much further behind Syracuse. And we had spent the whole year all the bracketologists saying Louisville ahead of Syracuse, but Louisville had a really bad end to the season, and then they got trounced by Duke in the AC tournament. They they got trounced by Virginia at home, so they really didn't end strong. They had all the COVID pauses. They didn't really have a quality win at all outside of their own arena, so they only beat two teams that actually ended up making the field. So I think the Louisville getting slighted like that really opened the door because we knew you know at least one of them was going to get in. Yeah, I'm also a bit surprised they're not in a playing game. They definitely they look like a tournament team, but they also look like a playing game when you factor in the whole season and their full body of work. They only have one quadrant one win. Tabundo mentioned it there, but Duke ended its season on a win, and they were playing really good basketball with Mark Williams playing well. I think if they won one or two more games in the AC tournament, it would have been real dicey for Syracuse. Could have gotten could have gotten weird. Yes, Duke Duke, and once they started utilizing Mark Williams a lot down the stretch, like that lineup Duke had was really starting to click. And I'm also curious if Reese Beekman doesn't hit that buzzer-beating three-pointer, they go to overtime, does Syracuse pull out that UVA win? Like, how high do they go if they win that? And they go on, even if they lose to Georgia Tech, does that Virginia win kind of push them past an 11 seed? A lot of interesting factors. I'm also, like Danny DeBundo, a little bit surprised. They weren't a first or a playing game team, but the 11 seed is kind of right about where they fall in. And now, look, they're an 11 seed playing a 6 seed San Diego State Debundo, you are mentioning it a little bit earlier. It's a tough matchup for Syracuse. How exactly do they match up against the Aztecs, and what do SU fans need to know heading into this matchup? When you think about San Diego State, you have to put it in the context of last season because San Diego State was, I mean, you could they were on, on the verge of a potential one seed, probably a two in the end. They, they were extremely good. They only lost two games all season one being in their conference championship against Utah State. So they have unfinished business, as they say. And they lost a couple of guys from that team, but a few of them are back. And then the two guys that I think Syracuse has to worry the most about are Matt Mitchell, 
He's their senior leader. And Jordan Shackle, he's their top shooter. So Mitchell and Shackle both are are excellent. I think they got the best of the four six seeds. You know, I was looking at the bracket potential, the bracket matrix, and I was like, oh, you know, if they get like a USC on the six line or potentially like a BYU who doesn't play any defense or maybe Colorado who ended up on the five line, like those are much better matchups, I think, for Syracuse than this San Diego State team is. They're really good at shooting. Jim Beheim, you know, that was the first thing he said. They shoot 37% from three. They're one of the, the top three-point shooting teams. And they're just really physical. They, they grind you down. They wear you down. They don't play fast. They, they, they play pretty slow. And they're really on a roll. They had their issues early in the season. They lost some games. They probably shouldn't have lost. But they were all tricky situations. You know, they had a two road losses to Utah State. But Utah State, you know, it's one of the toughest places in the country to win. Going up to altitude there. And they've really rolled through the rest of the conference since, blowing out Air Force, Wyoming, San Jose State, Fresno. They had two good wins against Boise. Uh, and then they, they pretty much rolled through the conference tournament. So San Diego State's playing great basketball. They're experienced. They're one of the most experienced teams. They're well-coached. And even though they're not big, they rebound really well. So it's going to be a really tough matchup. Bookmakers have open lines. We got you know San Diego State one, one and a halfs out there for the people interested in betting the game. I think that that's lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be closer to three or four maybe even five. So a lot of respect being shown, I think, to the history of Syracuse in March with the spread too. So a tough matchup. And I said this, I just tweeted this uh, right before we came on, but I think that the sixth seed is actually better. Like if, if San Diego State played West Virginia, who's the three seed on a neutral court, and if it happens in the second round, I will be taking San Diego State. I think that they are better. So I think there's almost a path here where like, you know, if Syracuse were to win the first game, I think that there's a chance that the second game is actually an easier game than the uh, Aztecs will be on Friday. Yeah, DeBunda watches way more Mountain West games than, than I do and way more than most people on it's the East Coast conference. do. my favorite conference. My favorite mid-major. He's a Mountain West junkie. But San Diego State's a really good team. DeBundo hit on a lot of beats there, but he, I don't think he mentioned that they're the 11th most efficient defense in the country. They're a team that has, you know, two 40% shooters in their starting lineup, and neither of those two players are their best player, plus an elite defense. That's a tough matchup for any team in the country. Yes, DeBundo is the Mountain West guy here. I think you well, you had a tweet the other day about your new favorite player being Marco Anthony from Utah State because he wears 44 for the 4 for 4 Wendy's. Wendy's deal or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to what DeBundo was saying earlier, you know, Jordan Shackle has shot better than 40% from three the past two seasons. So he was, this season he's 40.9. You know, last year he was also above 40, shooting 43.4. There's going to be, like, sure, San Diego won't push the pace like some teams that Syracuse played will. It's not, like, quite Virginia level. But, like, if San Diego State gets hot and Syracuse can't match that, uh, it'll be a quick exit for Syracuse. But the path to a win, I think, comes from Buddy Beheim continuing this ridiculous stretch he's gone on the last six games. And, you know, if he's the one to, like, maybe match a Jordan Shackle or you know, a Matt Mitchell production, that could be the route for Syracuse to, to pull the upset in the first round. So, Crane, you mentioned Buddy Beheim there. Obviously, he was the reason Syracuse did as well as they did in the ACC tournament. It's going to be tough to rely on one guy in the NCAA tournament, that is. But who outside of Buddy, we'll start with you again, DeBundo, do you think needs to step up for Syracuse to not only beat the Aztecs, but maybe go on a little bit of a run here in March Madness? Yeah, for me, it's Alan Griffin. I think the one thing that happened with with Syracuse against Virginia, I mean, Griffin obviously had arguably his worst game of the year. Beheim said that. 
I would tend to agree generally. I think he has to step up uh, on the defensive end. It's going to be a big challenge guarding the San Diego State team with the zone because of how well they can shoot the ball. I think it'd be really interesting to see where they get matched up because if they're in Lucas Oil, which is not a basketball arena, it's a football stadium, that could actually help Syracuse in the sense that they're used to playing in a football stadium, whereas San Diego State is going to have to get you know acquainted to that, whereas if they're in Bloomington or Purdue or, or Hinkle or Butler, like all of those arenas are basketball arenas and they're, they're more comfortable for San Diego State. But Alan Griffin is the player that I would I would have to highlight. I think he uh, has the ability to get hot, and he didn't, and that's why Syracuse went six minutes without a basket against Virginia when Buddy you know was was getting locked up a little bit by Beekman and Trey Murphy, and Syracuse just could not get an open look, let alone a basket. He's the guy that can do that and really unlock this offense. And we saw early in the game he had that great behind the back pass to Garrier under the hoop. When he moves the ball, Syracuse is very good offensively, and that's they're going to have to score and be efficient on offense to, to beat the San Diego State team. I tend to agree with, with Anthony there that Allen needs to step up. And I agree that he you know has the ability to get hot on offense. I also think he has the ability to play really good defense. And we've seen it in flashes. I think with him on defense, it seems like it's more mental and knowing you know the rotations and where to be on the court. Because he has all the athletic ability to play good defense and challenge shots at the rim and get out to shooters on the outside and recover back in. He's done that a lot this year, but he's also made a lot of mistakes, and he needs to clean those up. Another guy who needs to step up, I would say, is Kadari. Uh, Jim Beheim said he's dealing with tendonitis in his knee. He's going to practice this week, and he should be fine for the tournament, but fine is a relative word there. He's he's definitely dealing with, with something. And against NC State, he didn't really do anything because Joe was playing really well. And then they kind of needed him against Virginia, and he couldn't really get going. We've seen him get by defenders kind of at will all season, and it seemed like his first step was a bit slow against the Cavaliers. That might have something to do with the pack line defense, but their defense isn't the same this year as it has been in the past, and that that's kind of a red flag for Kadari. I was going to say Kadari too. So for the sake of not picking the same guy as somebody else, I'm going to go with Quincy Garrier. He's had one double-double since January 31st, and that was the game against Virginia when he went for 14 and 10. But Syracuse needs him to rediscover the consistent double-doubles he was producing earlier in the season. And because of that, the way he's developed this season has forced teams to not give him the extra step at the three-point line. So if you know San Diego State does give him that extra step, he'll need to hit those shots. And if he can, that might be able to take a little bit of pressure off of Buddy or off of Joe or Allen if one of them can't get going at the beginning. Because when Quincy is able to really command possessions in the post and on the blocks, that will allow Syracuse to become more explosive on offense and have and achieve that through a variety of options. So, Karen, I know you mentioned Quincy Garrier, but both you and Danny said that your player to watch was Kadari Richmond. At this point in the season, is he more valuable to SU than Quincy, or is it just in this specific matchup? Danny, we'll, we'll start with you. I'm not sure if value is the right word. I think it depends on the matchup, but to be any of these good teams in the tournament, they're going to need both of them to play really well and play really well on both ends. Kadari, he can come off the bench and, and give them a really big spark, and Quincy kind of needs to do it all the time for 40 minutes and often against bigger players, which is arguably a tougher task. So I guess I'd lean towards Garrier in terms of importance to the team, and, and he has a higher degree of difficulty. I think what's interesting about Kadaria, though, 
is if Syracuse has somebody who can maybe help them push the tempo a little bit more and break out of that slow tempo and get them going offensively, it's Kadari, just because of his ability to really penetrate and, and drive into the paint and, and push the tempo off a of made basket. So I think he could, if Syracuse needs to get out of the slow tempo NC State might make them play at, I think Kadari Richmond is their person to help them do that. Thanks to the Halal Shack located in the Shine Student Center for their continued support of the Daily Orange Sportscast. So you guys mentioned a bit ago that, look, San Diego State, they have a lot of options. They've got shooters. They're one of the best defenses in the country. How does SU's roster match up with San Diego State's and maybe their style of play? Does that match up? Poorly for the Orange against a team that seems pretty elite on the defensive end that could also really expand this 2-3 zone to Bundo. Look, you're the Mountain West guy. We'll, we'll start with you here. I don't love the matchup, if we're being completely honest. I, I said this earlier, but I think that, like, you know, a potential USC or Colorado or even a, even a Texas Tech to a lesser extent, I think would be a better matchup than this experienced San Diego State team. With any team, you know, if you get them on a, on a bad shooting night, anything can happen. But there's a reason that San Diego State is number 10 in the Bart Torvik numbers. They're number 20 in the Ken Palm numbers. They're really good, and they're playing really well. I think that's the one thing. You know, they had a really—it's important to note how bad they were at the start of the season. They really struggled losing at home to BYU and Colorado State. But again, they have been rolling. They've won 14 in a row for a reason. Andrew said they were one of the hottest teams in the country coming in. That's not wrong. And so it's going to be a challenge. And if you look at the profile of the team, they're not that— different from like the Virginia that they just played in terms of they rely on the three they defend the inside really well you can hit threes on them they play pretty slow their defense first although I don't know if I'd even say that about Virginia this year the profile of the team isn't that different and you look at the Ken Palm rankings Virginia was down right around 11 a little bit better on offense San Diego State 20 so you're looking at the same, a pretty similar caliber team and that's what you're going to need you're going to need a pretty similar caliber performance to beat this San Diego State team. It's not two years ago when Syracuse or three years ago when Syracuse got a pretty dead six seed in TCU and then and then won that game. One area that might match up well for Syracuse is, is on the boards. They've gotten beat on the boards a ton this year against bigger teams. San Diego State's not a bad rebounding team, but they're not that's probably one of their weakest areas. They are a hundred ninth in offensive rebounding percentage, which is which is solid, but it's nothing elite that Syracuse has dealt with this year in terms of like a North Carolina or even a Rutgers early in the season, which really got after on the boards. So that could be an area where they kind of make up some of the ground and and try to steal some possessions. I think a key to what Danny was saying too will be how much Jesse Edwards plays and based on that, how well he plays in those minutes. You know, we've seen kind of the spark he can give Syracuse. He looked pretty good against NC State. Jim said he was a little bit intimidated. That was the word he used against Virginia. So if they get the Jesse that, that kind of emerged the last few games of the regular season and he can give them a handful of minutes off the bench and maybe kind of provide a run or lead a run or key a run, whatever he does, that could help them on the boards too. And you guys mentioned, look, there, there's a lot of things to like about this San Diego State team. There's a lot of concerns to have if you're Syracuse or a Syracuse fan. 
All of you mentioned the defense, mentioned the three-point shooting. If you had to pick one, what's the biggest area of concern for Jim Beheim and the Syracuse Orange heading into their first-round matchup against the Aztecs? I think it's probably the shooting. Syracuse just naturally has trouble against really good shooters. Not even good shooters, but when teams can throw multiple good shooters at them, it can get tough. When you make this year's zone rotate twice, three times in a possession, that's when it starts to break down historically throughout the year it's gotten better but it's still it's susceptible to that if san diego state can move the ball and find open shooters i think Syracuse can get into some trouble i mean you saw what happened against duke and cameron won stewart and hurt got going and what did they make 11 11 three-pointers in the first half 10 whatever it was multiple people were firing shots from from behind the arc and, and connecting and, and that's exactly what danny's saying where if nc state gets going with with one or two guys so that that'll that'll kind of escalate the game quickly a lot to look forward to in this first round matchup and before we let you guys go here the biggest question that Syracuse fans have on their mind right now what needs to happen for Syracuse to pull out this victory continue their tournament aspirations and maybe I don't know go on another tournament run that Jim Beheim squads have been so keen to go on in recent years as a low-seeded team Devundo we'll start with you kind of the expert here on the Mountain West and maybe what Syracuse needs to do here I, I didn't get in on the last one, but the biggest matchup I'm worried about is definitely Nathan Mensa on the inside. He's 6'10", junior, excellent on the glass, blocks a lot of shots, really a presence in the middle. Uh, and his worst games of the season came in their losses. They actually, the two losses to Utah State. Utah State has a center who dominated him, and, and that was really a big point that kind of tipped the game towards the Rams. But I think that the, the one thing that they're going to have to do is figure out a way to neutralize him, figure out a way to get on the glass and, and bang with him because they had a problem with even Jay Huff on Thursday against Virginia. And this guy's a lot more physical. Mensa's more physical than Huff is. Doesn't have quite the length, but he's he's able to go up and get a lot of rebounds. So how they match up with him is going to be a really interesting situation. And then just guarding the perimeter. Uh, Syracuse's worst games have come when teams have lit them up from three. They've gotten a lot of open looks. Virginia, Clemson, Duke, uh, even Georgia Tech to a lesser extent. They have to guard the perimeter. If they do that, it's going to be a very close game. So we shall see. Yeah, the key to Syracuse, I think, is two words, and that's Buddy Beheim. He's kind of established a pace that where he's now the focal point of the offense, and everything's going through him. Even if it's not a three-pointer, he, he's commanding the ball and the attention, driving maybe inside for a pull-up or even taking his guy to the basket. And that really opens up a lot for, for guys off-ball. had a film review earlier this week on DailyOrange.com about what opens up because teams are having to, to pay more attention to Buddy. So a lot of screens on the opposite side maybe could open up a backdoor cut to the basket or even, you know, a roll from Merak if he screens. There's already more attention on Buddy. Now somebody's trying to help on the roll. Like that's going to leave an open guy by the basket too. So if Buddy keeps going at the rate he's been at, and, you know, he's not going to average 29 points per game if Syracuse makes a tournament run probably. But like if he's if he's over 20, I think, you know, low 20s, you'll start seeing the effects of his run on the other guys in Syracuse's offense. And that's that's what Syracuse is banking on, and that's what it needs. It needs Buddy to open things up for everyone else because even if it does and they don't deliver, then they're cooked. Because that's what happened against Virginia at the end of the day. Buddy had 31 points, and Quincy Garrier was the only other starter who had more than 10. Bobby Braswell came off the bench and added 10 or 12 or whatever he did, but... 
everybody else was kind of a dud. I know Joe Girard went one for eight. He played okay. Kadari didn't do much. Malin Griffin, as we mentioned, you know, had one of his worst games of his career. And that's not going to get it done in March Madness. But if Buddy can, you know, attract the attention of the defense and make plays for others, which he's gotten way better at, I've noticed that they've they've been running on him off dribble handoffs and screens and putting him in pick and rolls, which is something that they hadn't done in the past. That's a testament to you know, how much he's improved as a playmaker. But if they can put him in those situations and the defense collapses on him, that'll allow for the other players to have opportunities to drive or, or, or have open shots. If they make plays, then Syracuse can hang with anyone. If they don't, then they can't hang with anyone. <laughs> Clearly a lot on the shoulders of Buddy Beheim once again. We'll see if Bobby Braswell can step up, give some more big-time performances. But, guys, thanks for joining us. You can check out all of their work on DailyOrange.com. Check out Syracuse's full tournament run there. That's Anthony DeBundo, Danny Emmerman, and Andrew Crane joining me tonight on the Daily Orange Sportscast. Once again, guys, thanks so much for taking out some time. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out all of our men's basketball coverage at dailyorange.com. We'll have all the information you need to know about SU basketball on the Daily Orange Sportscast, as well as coverage of all other Syracuse sports news. I'm Thomas Schultz, the host and editorial director. Mariah Humiston is the podcast editor. Anish Vasudevan is our assistant sports digital editor. Adam Wolf is our music producer. And Lucas Serio is our executive producer. Thanks to our men's basketball beat reporters Andrew Crane, Anthony DeBundo, and Danny Immerman for joining us. We'll see you next time.